the organization gave us so much land, reserve land, wasn't very big, and also gave us some rights uh, past the land that we that we survived on, like we hunted and fished on and all that stuff. And they took that away from us. And they found gold in that area. As soon as they knew there was gold there, they, we were kicked out of it. They, they owned it. Welcome, everyone, to our third podcast episode of Learning from Sharing, a series of voices on diversity, a podcast dedicated to sharing voices around Indigenous knowledges, LGBTQ2 plus knowledges, inclusion, and diversity. I'm your host, Yasnel Hanudi Kielgaga. My name is Yasnel. I am from Skidigit, Haidagwai. I am the Indigenous programmer at Two Rivers Gallery, situated on the traditional unceded territory of the Tlaitli Tenei, also known as Prince George, British Columbia, Canada. Our next guests are David Clement Charles from Ginyugaming, located in northern Ontario under the James Bay Treaty, and his granddaughter, Amanda Cup. Through dialogue between David and his granddaughter, we are offered a glimpse into David's life story. It is a privilege for Two Rivers Galleries to be working on this project as David entered the spirit world in the winter of 2020. We send our condolences, love, and support onto David's family and once again thank them for the opportunity to share David's story through our Learning from Sharing podcast series. A special hawa thank you to Marcel Gagnon, who graciously contributed this intro and outro music to really make David's podcast extra special. Are you ready to get started? Let's dive in. Let's start off early off, Grandpa. So where were you born? Sioux Lookout, Ontario. Sioux Lookout? Yep. And from there, where did you go? Thunder Bay, I was uh, moved around quite a bit. Uh, apparently, uh, I guess my mother or whatever, I don't know if alcohol was a problem that separated us. And then I was, uh, I guess I was here and there, home, different homes. And finally, they found me a home, and I was, I was very fortunate, to be honest with you, to be brought up by First Nations people. And uh, because you're First Nation, yeah. Well, <laughs> mom was the mom was a was a Ojibwe. She's a Ojibwe, and she or Tulakal Reserve where she used to live. And I really didn't know her until early '80s when she finally showed up because she was looking for us, and a lot of times they wouldn't tell her because being adopted, they'd keep all the information away from them. Mm-hmm. So, 
You were really fortunate to be adopted into the family that you were. You were staying. Uh, very fortunate to be brought up uh, with a family that uh, lived off the land. And uh, uh, by uh, First Nations people. And uh, my foster dad was uh, a Cree from, uh, what do you call that, Big Lake? The Big Lake? Yeah, well, no, I forget what you call it. Uh, well, not north there. Uh, yeah, anyways, uh, that's where he's from. And then mom was from Thunder Bay area around there. So, Sulacote, actually, or little Thunder Bay, I guess, around that area. And uh, I guess they met. And uh, she had uh, two sons. She lost both of them. And then uh, yeah. we were very fortunate that me and her brother John, we were adopted. Now, we did not know our mom and who our dad was at the time. We were just little kids. Well, actually, right around the time of your adoption, too, was the beginning of the 60s scoop roundup, where oh, kids were kind of be taken left, right, and center. Yeah. Yeah, so it was really common to not know. Well, like I said, I was very fortunate to be brought up by this uh, old man Charles. And when they adopted me, they changed my name. My name used to be Bertrand Lapine. How and old were you when they changed your name? I don't know, seven. <laughs> Anyways, uh, uh, I was very fortunate that uh, Old Man Charles gave me his name. Mm -hmm. His name was David Charles, too. So he gave me his name, and that's what they, they gave me when they adopted me, so I was called David. So anyways... After they adopted you, um, what kind of... What did school look like for you? Never, well, well, the thing was, school was never meant anything. Uh, we were, because he was a, he's a, a traditional First Nation individual, lived off the land, and uh, that's how we survived. We were, it was very healthy, there was nothing wrong with it, and it was mostly the, the school educational system would force us to go to school. And I, to be honest with you, I only put, uh, I think it was just two years of schooling. And like I'm talking about full years. Yeah. And uh, how were you able to get out of having to go full years? No, I lived in the bush. Yeah. Yeah, and if they wanted to come uh, come and get me, they had to come in the bush to get me. They had to come find you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyways, and like I was very happy that had happened because I taught. I was taught how to survive and live off the land and how important it was to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, that time, I guess that's when money became something. Two people, a lot of people get caught with it. And look at your country now. But in those days, most First Nations people, like especially elders, you know, they would live off the land and, and it was free. And, and they really took care of their land because uh, uh, that's what they survived on. Yeah. And that's how we survived on. And sometimes uh, I can remember when we were in Hellsport, what happened was years before that, old man was uh, elected uh, chief of Reserve 77 there in Longlac. And we're, 
a lot of people didn't want to stay on the reserve. A lot of Bank people, up north people, they finally, a lot of them left. Yeah. They wouldn't live on the reserve. They didn't want to. Well, I mean, if my memory serves correct, they were never from there to begin with, right? Like, they just, no, or, no, no, they they just got gathered up and kind yeah, of pushed yeah, onto yeah, this yeah, space. Yeah, bunch of, there were a bunch of this up and putting us on a certain area. And so what was, happened after everybody left? I mean, we left the reserve? Yeah. Well, what happened was after that, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, That's okay, you can take your time. See, I got a bad memory here. What you call the Indian Native Errors? Try to gather all this up and put us back in, but a lot of people didn't want to go back. Yeah. Because that's not their way of life. They were taking our land, they were, they were ruling everything, they were making laws and regulations to where they wanted to, to do the things they wanted to do. Yeah. And they allowed us to have some land, but if there was any gold or anything that was uh, in it, they wouldn't let us have it. They took it. Yeah. You know, and that's the way it was. So they would change their yeah. mind and be yeah. like, oh, never mind. Yeah. This is ours. Yeah. So anyways, when the people left uh, the reserve, they went back to the places of where they really were from. And we went back to Hellsport and lived there for a while. And until uh, Mr. Gowns, the Indian Affairs agent, came up and talked to Mr. Charles and said to him, uh, you have to go back because you're elected chief and you got to bring your people back to the reserves. And uh, that was from the Horn Pain side, like the, the East End side. Mm -hmm. A lot of them were up from the north too, from there, like Airline and that, they were up north, the Indians. All were tr trying to force them in there. And uh, I guess finding out the way they were living and what, what they had no jurisdiction over, they were getting upset, so they left the reserve. Anyways, after years of that, we went back to Hellsport. I guess I was there about four years, something like that. Then the affairs came and got old man Charles and told him that he had to move back because he was the selected chief at the time and, and get the people back in there. But he didn't want to do that. He says, no, he says, it's not our, our place. By rights, the land is ours. Mm -hmm. It always has been ours. And, of course, uh, what you call uh, Europeans come over and just completely took over the land. And uh, I guess uh, they had the guns, we didn't. We just had whatever we, we hunt with, whatever we, how we caught our wildlife with it. Lived off the land, that's how we lived. And it was very clean and healthy. And it's unfortunately that we were handled the way we were handled. Yeah, because you never got sick before, hey? No, no, never was sick. Never caught a cold. Uh, very healthy. Until uh, years after we had to move back to Long Rock. And then that's when I started getting sick. Got the flu, got this, got that. You know, I started to pick up this, the diseases that was happening. So going out to the bush and living with the natural resources that were already given and taking care of it was a really big part of your guys' life. Yeah, it was very healthy. And until, like I said, when the Europeans came in, 
of the way they lived and the way they did things, they're all about money. Yeah. We weren't. We were about our resources. Yeah. I mean, that's what we lived off. Well, also, and more than that too. Your wasn't your dad an like a an herbalist or a medicine man, like someone well, who would he actually, knew the herbs. He would use them to help. Yeah, yeah, you knew the herbs, and people would call him up and ask him to get the medications made for them, and he'd go out in the bush and collect it, the, the items that he needed, and make medication with it. Then after, like I said, when the Europeans came in, and the logging companies start to come in, just all that stuff started to happen, and it then. It started to disappear for what he was doing. And what were they doing to it? Well, they were the... taking all the resources, uh, cutting all the trees down, uh, destroying or spraying. After they started spraying, that was the DDT. Yeah, that was that was it. Yeah. So Dad could not use it anymore. So he went up north and tried it for a while. He said, "Well, the same thing is happening up there," so he couldn't do it anymore. And a lot of First Nation people were upset uh, that lived off the land. Uh, were losing uh, what they once had because the Europeans are coming up there and making the changes. And, you know, they were all about money and getting rich and all whatever you want to call it. Did you know that it wasn't actually federally legislated until 1985 to stop using DDT spraying in Ontario? Yes, yes I know. That's decades. Yeah, yeah. And, but the thing is, as First Nations people, yeah. Either we didn't have any say, and if we did, they would come and put us in our place. Well, look what they did. Yeah. They take yeah. they take our children. Yeah. They break up families. Yeah. And I've been in many homes, you know. And um, finally, I guess when Dad adopted me, they adopted me and changed my name. And uh, John's name used to be Paul. They changed it to John. Ah, that seems pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we got. Better name than like he died. We were like he was like we were like kids to him. We were his, his kids, mm -hmm. and that's how he treated us. But he took me out in the bush a lot, yeah. and that's where I was brought up and and learned how to live off the land and appreciated it. Well, it, I see it in yeah. your art too, yeah. like yeah. your attention to detail. You yeah. can tell that you are someone who has spent countless hours watching. Yeah. And being outside in the bush. Yeah, but then uh, I can remember uh, at one time uh, we wanted to, what's it called? We, they, like the, uh, the organization gave us so much land, reserve land, wasn't very big. It also gave us some rights uh, past the land that we, that we survived on, like we hunted and fish on and all that stuff. And they took that away from us. And they found gold in that area. As soon as they knew there was gold there, they, we were kicked out of it. They, they owned it. And did that affect anybody's trap Yeah, the thing is, some First Nations people at that time uh, wanted to uh, just collect their own gold. Yeah. And they wouldn't allow them. They so wouldn't they, allow they, them? They would say, They're our, it's our land. It's You don't own them or we're... We're, we're, we're taking care of all the resources, creating work, coming out with all that bullshit. You know, and yeah. a lot of elders were pretty bad. shoddy homes. Yeah. Well, then, no, living off the land, actually, we had good homes. They were very healthy, clean at the time, and fresh air. 
Well, when you're living outside yeah, off yeah, the land, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were never hardly got sick until tuberculosis broke out. And uh, and what was it like living through that? Pardon me? What was it like? Well, a lot living? of people were catching the TV. Yeah? You were catching TV at the time when it first came out. Especially on reserves. Yeah, eh? well, yeah, my dad caught it. But then he stayed in the hospital, I think, about three months and found out that it was taking too long for him to, uh, to get better. So he left the hospital. Do you remember him ever helping anybody with TB? Oh, he helped a lot of people. Yeah. He helped people with cancer. He helped a lot of people because he knew what the herbs were good for. Yeah. I mean, he knew that, uh, I don't know, he never called it medication. No, of course not. That's yeah. a white man's yeah. word. Yeah, but he uh, just grabbed herbs. He said this and this and this and that. I knew what they were. I forgot the name of them, but I knew what they were. I used to go with them. Yeah. But then... Uh, the only thing I, my mistake was that I never, uh, how would I say, I never took advantage of it because when, you, when I used to go with him, go collect uh, medication and stuff like that to learn. Well, to be fair, they were spraying DDT on everything yeah. and well, that's it really before. was like three decades, yeah. so it's, it's, it's understandable yeah. that you didn't dedicate your life yeah. to studying medicines that may not ever... Be useful, right? I mean, it's been enough time now. Well, we did all the land. Yeah, exactly. You know, they, they were controlling everything, so. Yeah. Like, like I said, they would grab out the house party, got chased back to Lockback. Because he was the chief, they were selected chief when they first got elected. And he was the chief for about nine years. So, in what ways did your dad teach you how to protect your resources? I couldn't protect them. I mean, like, in what ways did he teach you how to, to not no, to just, not overuse it? No, he teaches us to respect it. Yeah. Only, like you said, only if we needed it. We're not there to sell it. We weren't there to, uh, I guess, to make a business out of it. Mm -hmm. It was just herbs that we use for medication. Colds, flukes, TB after TB hit the place, and, and it just went on. And then finally, Dad had to give up because uh, he had no more control. Yeah. You know, we couldn't... Uh, a lot of up north people were getting really upset. So that's how I was brought up. Like I said, two years, maybe full, two full years of schooling. <coughs> and that was it. The rest was living off the land, going in the bush all the time, trapping. And uh, I got to know the bush really good. I mean, I can go out in the bush and sleep without no blanks, nothing. Know how to keep warm. Oh my gosh, yeah. no. Yeah. That would be so cold. Nice. So could do what that. about the bugs? I did. What? What about the bugs? Bugs? No, all the bugs are not even bother <laughs> Well, that time the mosquitoes weren't bad. Oh, really? Yeah, until the time went on there. Started to know they picked up and started getting bugs all over the place. I wonder why. Oh, well, pollution. Yeah, that's you know, true. Contaminating. Right? And less, um, less wildlife for them to feast on. Yeah. Well, that's, like I said, it was a beautiful life. And it's too bad that uh, we let the, I guess the people come in here and totally took over everything. <clears throat> of course, they had guns and we didn't at that. So kind of like the yeah. capitalist, yeah. uh, yeah. Corporate. So a lot kind of, of society. Didn't fight back in a way, so 
and we didn't have we didn't have a chance anyway. So, what do you think about the fights happening now for resource protection? Well, you can't with all the different blockades. No, well, not that you got no protection for your resources now because it's not good. Mm-hmm. It's not healthy anymore. Your your water's contaminated. Your your land is contaminated. Uh, what's the use? Well, these guys want to live like that. Let them poison themselves. I guess it's not healthy anymore. You know, what do you got hospitals for? All of a sudden, you notice the, the difference compared to what was years ago. And you think it's definitely due to the huge lifestyle shift that we've taken? Because, like, I think about you know when you were growing up versus when I'm growing up. When you were growing up, it was a time where everybody put in the work together. Like even kids had jobs and everybody worked together to kind of like help each other out, you know? Whereas like now, even though there's more of us than ever, we're even more separated from each other, you know? Like from the, in these separate little family units. Well, the sad part about it is that now, man, it's money. People all the time, money, money, money. Mm-hmm. You know, they're always concerned about money, how much they're going to get, what it could do for them. Only if I could do See, people forget. Creation was designed for us to take care of and to make sure that we all had what we need. But it's not like that where you got a lot of selfish, greedy people. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they don't really care about the next door. All they want is to selfishly get what they want. And that's not good. But years ago, if I go through the moose in the bush, I'd take somebody with me, like old man uh, Moses Betty Wash. Yeah. I'll get his boys to come with me, help me get some, hey, you got meat. Yeah. And that's how it was done. And you go to your yeah. your elders and yeah. make sure that they had meat. Well, yeah, they, uh, yeah, we made sure they had that. I just remember old uh, Jim B. Taylor and Moses Betty Wash where we used to live, and they were old. So we'd bring the meat when they needed it, then we'd give it to them. Yeah. You know, they, they sometimes they give us a call, say, well, do you have any meat left from the moose? I say, yeah, come get some. Yeah. That's what they would say. And then if we ran out, we'd go get another one. That's how we did things, how we lived off the land. And it was uh, very healthy. Very, very healthy. Until all of a sudden... Until it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, that's how Europeans came in. Yeah. It's all about money to them and getting rich and controlling things. But as you look at it today, you know, we're, what do we own? You look at that, we don't own that. We don't Mm-mm. own this. Mm-hmm. Who owns it? The what Mormon are, Church. Uh, what, are, <laughs> what are we doing? To, to provide the needs as First Nation people had needs. Well, we give you enough money. We give you a little bit of money. We do this for you. <coughs> but they take everything away from you. Yeah. You know, and so we have no control. But it was a great life. It was a good life. Because you learned all, how important creation was. And what the need was. Make sure he has food. Make sure he also is looked after. Because what's there, what you see, 
also belongs to him. And that's what we did. And a little, mostly a lot of times the elders, the elderly people like my dad, would teach us to make sure that Moses, old Jimmy Terry, used to at least to live with us, the folks, mm-hmm. make sure that, that they too get, when we get moves and they go check, see if they have any. And that's what we do. They want to meet, hey, come get it, guys. I'm sure. It's not like that anymore. But we're not, I'm not going to say that all First Nations people are perfect. You know, there are some <laughs> selfish, greedy people. There always has been. Yeah. You know, so. But okay. the, the, the main part was me looking up the elders. Is there anything else that you want to try and add? Or that others know? No, no. Actually, we should, what we should be doing is just realizing the lifestyle that we're living now. Yeah. And uh, we don't have any more of what we used to have. It's gone. Yeah. You know, the, there's not much we can do about it. I guess we just have to learn to live this lifestyle and you know, survive by it. But I don't think First Nations are, uh, are rich or cold. Uh, not starting the war, that's for sure. Well, look at how many are already going on. Well, <laughs> and I, there is little wars happening. There's little wars starting. It all starts somewhere, well, right? People are people. They also yeah, need what true. they need. I'll fight. I'll be a war one for you, Grandpa. Okay. <laughs> Learning from Sharing, a series of voices on diversity, is produced by Two Rivers Gallery. Intro and outro music are composed by Marcel Gagnon, and the amazing people we had the privilege of listening to today are David Clement Charles and his granddaughter, Amanda Cup. To keep up to date on Two Rivers Gallery, our exhibitions and programs, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, Learning from Sharing is available wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Hawa, thank you everyone for tuning in. We hope to see you next time.